Alrighty, friends, we are back with your favorite podcast show of the week. And this is Location Weekly. It's episode number, what number is this, Brianna? It's a big one. 601. Yeah, 601. Wow. Okay. Um, yeah. So, and it's a special one. We didn't do one last week. Uh, we're doing our annual prediction show where we're just going to kind of talk about, you know, what we think is coming in the year ahead now that we're in 2023. And I still have to get used to that. It always takes me like a week or two, like, you know, even like, you know, when you're writing stuff and then you write 2022 and then like cross it. Okay. Anyways, yes, we are in 2023. So we're going to tell you a little bit about what we think is coming this year. And um, we'll go from there, but we'll start with a, a, a quick little recap of uh, what we talked about last year. But first of all, your holidays are, Brianna. They were good, exciting. They were great. It was wonderful. Too fast. I love this time of year and I love being in New York for the holidays. It is just beyond my expectations. So great holidays, great family time. Everybody remained relatively healthy. So very grateful for that. And um, yeah, how about you? Yeah, same. I got to uh, spend some time with my kids and uh, with friends in my neighborhood and uh, had a quick trip in the middle uh, between Christmas and New Year's down to uh, Lima, Peru. Um, and uh, so that was nice, just even just for, you know, the short time I was there, like uh, slightly uh, warmer temperatures. Um, yeah, but uh, overall, uh, you know, good times, as you say, it's way too short. And, uh, and now we're like, already back in like the the quick of it because you know what we have uh just in a week and a bit is uh, the nrf show in new york which I'll, I'll be at and yeah probably run into you there yes about to kick off yeah yeah so you know ces is around the corner all that stuff is happening so it's uh it's already a busy time as we're in january here so but let's uh quickly recap um and just to highlight uh some things uh that we talked about last year and i'll, I'll, I'll just kind of summarize it and then you know, if you want to comment on that or not, um, you know, we can, Aubriana. But, uh, you know, you talked about last year three things uh, as far as your trends that you thought were, you know, going to be um, driving, you know, the tech and location ecosystem uh, in 2022. So you talked about sort of the growth of the OTP space and programmatic and its role in that. You talked about uh, eliminating the middleman when it comes to, you know, um, the data that we are collecting and aggregating in this space and specifically called out LiveRamp. Uh, and you talked about obviously the changes in, in privacy and the IDFA and, and some of those things that were happening. And, and specifically, you talked about the government uh, use cases uh, and regulations around some of that data. Um, and so do you want to comment on any of that? And yeah, I mean, I think that in the OTT space and in connected television and programmatic there, we have seen more of that uh, grow, but I still think that we're, um, you know, I, I would say that some of these, like uh, the tease of recession has maybe slowed things down a little bit because we've had a lot of, um, a lot of these big players, right, have like taken out a lot of their staff and, and there's been a lot of layoffs in that industry and in the media companies and a lot of shifts have happened. So I think that's one that, you know, maybe did not grow as much as I had anticipated when we made that prediction. Uh, and then on the next one, in terms of like the, the data, I do think we saw that definitely come to, to fruition and we're going to continue to see that grow. 
Um, you know, a lot of data clean rooms really, you know, talked about like their growth. And, and I can just say that, you know, even from um, my perspective and where I sit in the business world, we saw so much movement happening there. So companies like Infosum, Habu, um, obviously, you know, you've got all of these other data clean rooms that are popping up, Snowflake, you know, all of those, we've seen tremendous growth. And, and I think that we're seeing a lot of, of companies take advantage of that. And I do expect that to continue to grow. So I feel like that prediction um, did come true and I expect that to continue to grow. Um, and then the third, which was privacy. Watch, privacy. I mean, we're about to have these privacy and legislation changes you know, come to fruition here. Those are starting to roll out. And I think that on that, we've got some companies that are coming in and trying to help regulate all of those. So I know there's some startups that are in that space that have done well, like in Europe, such as uh, SourcePoint and maybe some others that will try to help with those regulations and making sure that it's monitored across all the different states here in the US and maybe like Canada. You know, you've got different legislation in Brazil that's like a little bit more stringent as well. So just trying to keep companies like uh, uh, atop all of that. So I think, you know, I think we did okay on, on those. How about yours? Yeah. So for me, I, you know, I talked about kind of growth in NFTs uh, and the sort of overlay between metaverse and physical world. Um, uh, so on that one, yeah, I think we've seen a lot of experimentation this, this past year. Uh, a lot of brands jumping into Decentraland and Roblox and playing in these environments. Um, um, I didn't see a lot of overlap between, you know, virtual world and physical world. So I think there's still, you know, much to be done there. But certainly, you know, brands were investing and experimenting and playing and buying virtual real estate, you know, at uh, leaps and bounds this past year. Um, the, I talked also, uh, my second uh, topic was about growth in autonomous vehicles uh, and, you know, specifically around uh, delivery. Uh, and so we saw, I think, good growth uh, in that space. You know, Amazon's very active in that space. Uh, Scout, uh, Starship, you know, all these companies that popped up with, you know, robots roaming around the streets doing deliveries. And I think, you know, that's still not at, at the scale that I, I thought we were going to get to this year. I think, you know, the economy at, that you referenced and, and sort of just market conditions, you know, uh, damped that down a little bit. But we did see growth and, and those companies are, are certainly, you know, uh, happening. And then I talked about growth in peer-to-peer uh, -peer marketplaces, you know, like what we had originally seen a few years back with Zarly and TaskRabbit and places like that. And I specifically referenced Facebook Marketplace. Uh, and I think we did see, if you look at the numbers around things like Facebook Marketplace, massive uh, growth uh, in 2022. And I think a lot of that just, you know, coming from people are at home, they have more time, they're looking around at all these possessions that they have that they're not using um, and they're cleaning house, right? They're, 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 they're selling items on Marketplace, they're buying things that they actually need or, or want to, yeah, you know, and moving things about um, in these sort of peer-to-peer -peer marketplaces. So. I think we definitely saw some growth there, but um, again, I, I would say all of those things and all of these topics, you know, maybe not to the scale that you know we expected, um, but certainly trending in the right direction. Yeah. All right, so that's kind of a quick recap of of what we talked about last year. Uh, so let's jump into our our new predictions for 2023, and I'll let Abriana start us off with her first one. All right, and full disclosure, we have not shared with one another yet. So <laughs> we could very well have the same or we could very well have very different ones. So 
Um, my first is an e-commerce overhaul of sorts. So I think that we've seen these trends start to happen in social commerce and even some, um, you know, other means of shopping like shoppable TV ads and things of that nature. But I think we've just scratched the surface. So I do believe that this year we are going to see um, even more impact here across many social networks and even more opportunities to buy and purchase um, perhaps on your smart TV. So I love the idea of, you know, seeing an ad for, you know, I, I don't know, like maybe it's a beverage or a, a wine or a spirits or a cocktail, and then it can be at your doorstep in a matter of an hour. Or the idea of, you know, just shopping for something that's on social that you're seeing somebody that's, you know, they're wearing it or um, that content creation. So I think like blending that content, that creation, um, those media, but being able to actually shop and buy right there within where you're consuming that is going to be something that we're gonna really see um take fruition this year so i'm excited about that maybe my husband is probably not because you know impulse buys it's like all those little fun things that are right at checkout but they're right there you know and you just pay with apple pay and it's way too easy um but i think that that will be something that we can really look forward to seeing how that will will grow yeah, I, I like that. I think I think for sure I, we're going to see a lot more opportunities to buy things uh, through you know social media platforms and, and other commerce mechanisms like that. Um, you know, I without sort of just you know agreeing with everything you said, I, I, I'll, I'll support that with two other things. I think the growth in buy now pay later uh, platforms and technologies. I think you know tied into some of these new shopping opportunities that I think will will you know quickly escalate that and I think the second thing is is we look at, at social sort of uh, commerce and um, you know just people being more uh, conscious of you know the supply chain and things like that uh, we'll also see a growth you know related to that in um, in circular economy type of uh, platforms you know where you know, we're able to, you know, buy things and, you know, resell those things, um, you know, and put them back into the economy for, you know, re you know recycling, essentially, uh, of goods. Um, so I think all those things coupled together, you know, with what you're saying makes a ton of sense to me. Oh. All right. So my, my first <laughs> prediction, uh, and maybe this is kind of a strange one. So I think that we're going to see a massive uh, growth in the use in retail of electronic shelf labels, digital shelf labels. Um, and I'm not calling out any one company. There are a lot of companies in this space, NCR and others um, that are that are doing this. We've talked about SES Imago Talk on the show a few times. But I think this is the year where we're going to see a lot of that. And the reason I, I think that is, you know, we've seen some experimentation in grocery and Walmart and others starting to use these things. But especially when it comes to grocery, or it comes to any kind of uh, product that, you know, is perishable uh, or, or, you know, things like that, where, you know, you can play around with inventory levels and you can play around with, you know, expiry dates and you can play around with these kinds of things. Um, it just makes sense to have the ability to quickly on the fly change your price uh, for a product to be, you know, competitive, to be you know, relevant and current to current market conditions, current economic conditions. Um, and, you know, I just think we see so much fluctuation right now with where we are in the economy, with the 
you know, pending recession that's coming. You know, we saw, you know, uh, here in Canada and certainly for you guys too, with gas prices, for example, you know, we were up uh, in the summer, we were at over, you know, well over $2 a liter uh, for gas up here. And, and for the last number of months, that's dropped back down to we're at about, about a dollar forty-five, dollar fifty a liter now. So huge fluctuations up and down in uh, in in pricing like that. And we're seeing the same thing at grocery stores, right? And we're seeing the same thing in airline prices. And we're seeing the same thing in all sorts of things. So I think having technology that you can deploy and make those investments in, especially when the government is uh, governments around the world is throwing money out to you know you know, make your business more digital, make your business more whatever. I think even in small businesses, local grocers, local, you know, uh, businesses, you can have this kind of technology. It's very cheap now. Uh, and you're able to adjust on the fly and not have to have the manual labor of going around and changing all this stuff and, and whatnot. So that's one area where I see it. And just to throw a stat behind it, uh, the current market for this is projected at $980 million. That's a 2022 number, USD. Um, and projected to grow to 5.2 billion in electronic shelf labels uh, by 2032. So that's pretty significant. Yeah, that is an interesting prediction. And I think that it's a, it's a smart one given the climate, as you noted. Um, and I also think that there's likely data that can be tied to that that would incentivize these smaller businesses to invest in something like that to show that they can better move their inventory um, and also like have waste savings, right? Because they're getting rid of a lot of things, but if they can, you know, do all of that um, adjustment on the fly, then they're really going to, to actually make their, their investment back. So I think that that's smart. And maybe we can get some cheaper eggs around here. Cause I mean, come on. <laughs> it's like it's the lettuce up here. You can't get lettuce. <laughs> really? It's like a dollar an egg down here. It's crazy. Oh goodness. Okay. So my next one is, um, it, it, I think that we're going to see a disruption that is caused by something that's not new. We've talked about AI for a long time, and it's like such a buzzword, and I hate that I had to bring this up, but I do think that we're going to see this disruption that is caused by AI happening. And what I mean by that, I can kind of give two examples. One, I think we're going to have this uh, boom, if you will, of new creators that AI has enabled Maybe that's creators of content, creators of gaming, creators of anything that AI can make very simple and seamless where it's been so taxing. And, um, you know, if you think about creating a video game, for example, you need so many different experts uh, in different areas, right, to create this whole game and how it's played. And now there are, um, you know, these, these SaaS platforms that are enabled by an AI that can actually help you create this game and, and make it more seamless and, and just like, a, you know, somebody, maybe not somebody like me, but somebody could probably go in and do that. The other area you think about is like, it could level the playing field a little bit. Think of education, right? So education, you could use AI to create or write a paper for you based on a specific skill level, um, you know? So like, I wanna write a book report on this book based on a sixth grade, you know, perspective. And it could just spit it out. And it would not be the same as if you asked it to do it again. It would be different every single time. And so I think that from an education perspective, we're going to have to get a little bit more creative on focusing on the things that we need to be teaching our children. We need to be learning that machines and bots will not be able to do for us. 
Um, so I think that it's going to be a very interesting space to watch and say like what is going to change and what's going to be disrupted in terms of what we've done you know that has been like a person's job to teach or a person's job to do um and how are we gonna you know keep things relevant right how do we keep educating our children how do we allow them to actually do the things that they need to learn and focus on the right areas without taking away um or kind of like cheating the system in essence right so to me, I'm I'm very uh, a little bit anxious to see like what happens and what what's going to get shuffled around here. Yeah, I, not a lot to add to that. I think completely agree with you. I think AI is going to play a massive role in uh, in 2023, and you know, just solving problems that you know normally would take massive you know manpower. Um, or a lot of brains working together. Um, and, you know, I, I was uh, recently, I heard, you know, that, you know, th there's some experiment going on right now where just using AI, they're gonna be able to figure out how to place like literally billions of, of um, uh, kind of chips on a single, you know, um, chipset kind of thing, like that you couldn't figure out mathematically, you couldn't figure out, or, you know, human, human humans can't do. Uh, and they think they can do it now with with AI and and what that means for smaller devices and you know more processing power and like all the things that you know, we've come to expect. But realizing that it's only AI that can actually make that next leap, I think is is really interesting. So, um, yeah, completely agree with, with with what you're saying on that. So, no argument there. All right, on to the second one from my side. So this one, I'm kind of drawing on uh, a platform that Apple announced back in, originally announced it in, in late 2020. Um, but I think this is going to be the year where we see a lot of growth in it. And uh, what I'm talking about is something that's called uh, App Clips. Um, so Apple announced this platform called Retail, uh, or uh, App Clips. And I think from a retail point of view, um, we can see a lot of growth in this. And so what, what we're talking about here is, is you know, you as a consumer, we we're out and about, we're going to stores, we're going to businesses. Uh, and a lot of these, these, these retailers, you know, are investing lots of money, thousands and thousands of dollars in creating apps. And then they have the problem of how do we get people to download and install these apps uh, on their phone? And that's a challenge. And so what an app clip is, is basically uh, something that's much lighter weight, typically uh, to download it is less than 10 megabytes uh, of, of data uh, to pull it down. Uh, you can pull it down within seconds. Uh, uh, and, um, you know, you're able to access some basic light functionality that would be in the Fuller app, let's say. Uh, and it can be triggered simply by scanning a QR code or an NFC tag um, and, uh, and then can actually create some sort of uh, exchange. So, you know, let's say you want it to drive uh you know new members to your membership or rewards program or let's say you want to uh, enable people, somebody to actually pay for something with their phone um you know or um you know anything like that but that's you know just a uh, a core function that you want to complete that normally like let's say you have your full app and you've got all these features and profiles and usernames and all this other stuff that you you know you have in there that people have to go and do and set up that's a lot of work for people who maybe are shopping with you once a month or once a year, you know, or something like that versus an app clip where 
It's very lightweight. It gives you the basic functionality that they want. It's easy to be discovered because it's driven through QR or NFC tags. Um, and I think, um, you know, for me, what I see in 2023 is a lot of retailers, you know, kind of leveraging the success that the QR code had in COVID. Now driving that forward to say, let's let's make our retail app, you know, sort of more visible or quickly accessible, you know, at light functionality, quick download, um, and you know, complete a service that you want. Um, and I think you're going to see more and more of this. I know Sephora has been playing with this. I know um, uh, designer shoe warehouse I saw was doing this. A lot of brands are starting to play around with using app clips. Um, and I think this is, you correct me if I'm wrong, Aubrey, I think this is only an Apple iOS functionality at the moment. I don't think Android offers an app clip type of capability. Yeah, I, I don't know the answer to that, but I think you are right. Um, and I think that this is a good opportunity as well, because I think about the benefit to the consumer and the businesses here. And I think that as we move more towards those quick opportunities to capture consumer data and engage with consumers, this is a great avenue to do that. Um, and then I think as from a consumer standpoint, you know, you're at checkout and you don't want to sit there and spend the time to download a full app. A lot of times you might have like poor service inside of a store. And so being able to do that is just prohibitive. And I think that this is a great, you know, opportunity for both, like I said, both the consumer and the businesses to engage uh, with one another. So I think this is a good prediction. I like it. Yeah. All right. Um, all right. So company to watch for me. And I'm going to go a little bit off the beaten path here towards something that is working more with a lot of the companies that we talk about on a weekly basis, um, but isn't necessarily a tech company per se. And this is a company called Bridge. Um, if you have not heard about Bridge, I encourage you to check them out. Um, and Bridge, what they are is, is uh, their mission is to really create this cultural shift in companies where DEI principles are flowing through all the different facets um, of the organization. So from the C-suite and marketing, all the way through product development, procurement, customer service. So moving beyond um, just thinking about DEI as like an employment practice or a hiring practice and moving into like, how do we actually create an environment that's diverse, but also how do we create products and services that, um, you know, reach consumers across all different um, backgrounds and, you know, ethnicities and everything. So I think that this is like a great company. And I mean, I have to say that I've been keeping a close eye on this. So Cheryl Dija, if you are not familiar with her, which I'm sure most of you who listen probably are, but if you remember the Mobile Marketing Association, she was the chief strategy officer there for years. And um, she has an amazing board that she has put together, you know, with folks from some of the top marketing agencies, um, you know, Campbell's Soup, you've got like just some really great representation on her board and they're doing great work. I love what they are focused on and how they're really tapping into um, changing the way that our brains are, are biased and, you know, working with these companies to do so. And I think that they've got some really great plans uh, they're going to expand on this year. So I am really excited to continue to watch them and the work that they're going to do and hopefully continue to be involved. But I think that this is, um, you know, it's an interesting time and it's going to be amazing when we can move away from just those like LinkedIn posts that we hired some chief diversity officer to like, hey, we're actually 
focused on being a better company for our employees and for our consumers um, and clients. So that's what I'm excited about. I love that prediction. Um, so yeah, I don't know a lot about them. I, I, I need to dig into that. And, and certainly up here in Canada where I am, um, you know, it, it's, it's a hot topic. Uh, no question that uh, diversity needs to be, you know, a big part of what uh, companies are doing. Um, and, and not just, you know, in terms of people, like, but investments uh, in the community, uh, around the businesses uh, as well. Um, it needs to be, like, much more holistic um, and, of an approach than just, you know, we hired two people, you know, of color um, or, or things like that, right? So uh, I'm all for that. And, and I think that makes a ton of sense, uh, you know, for, for a pick. So good one. Um, I'm, I'm fully on the tech side for, for my pick. So I'm going, so I'm jumping back into, uh, the metaverse space for this year. Um, so kind of, I was down, uh, just late in the year at the VR AR conference in Miami. And I spent a lot of time, you know, hanging around people in this space, you know, the, the Roblox people, the Centerland people, and, you know, a lot of the agencies that are, you know, building these experiences and brands and whatnot, we're all there. Uh, and first of all, you know, great job by Nathan, Patty John, and the whole crew from the VR AR Association because they're doing great work. Um, but I think the one company that I met there that really stood out to me in presentation-wise um, in terms of where they're planning to go was a company called Sandbox. And so, you know, they've been around in the space for a while. They're kind of, you know, in the top three of, you know, sort of virtual real estate environments. But I, I feel like they're going to leapfrog this year, the others. Um, and I think just based on the fact of, you know, where they come from uh, in sort of uh, gaming dynamics and, and uh, their approach to the market, I think is really interesting. And going back to my prediction from last year, where I think, you know, we fell a little bit short, um, you know, I think brands right now are really jumping in to virtual spaces. Even this morning, I was reading about, um, uh, what was it? It was, uh, it was a, a sports team uh, that had, uh, had, had just jumped into this, um, into this space, right? And created a, oh, it was the LA Rams. That's what it was. And they created the world's largest virtual snowball fight on the field. Um, so they had like thousands of people show up and, and get on the field and basically have a virtual snowball fight in, you know, in VR. Um, and I think, you know, like when you start to do things like that, that really speaks to what I was saying, you know, or predicting from last year, which is this sort of mashup between the physical world where you're taking a space like, you know, the stadium's field uh, and then layering in the content in a virtual sense on top of that and creating real experiential opportunities for, for people. And I think when we talk about retail and location data, obviously, you know, none of that happens without location data. It's all based on, you know, geotags and all that kind of stuff. Um, but I think for retail, physical retail to, you know, grow again and succeed, and, and we see people wanting that and desiring, you know, a drive back to physical retail, but it has to be experiential, right? And I think one of the easiest ways you can get there uh, and it's becoming very affordable now is, you know, to, to, you know, plug into these metaverse experiences. And then again, you know, like start to look for tools that can help you measure, you know, the impact, like we talked about the importance of measuring everything that's happening in programmatic and, 
you know, ad targeting and all the stuff that we're used to, how do you measure that um, as well? And so I think sort of looking at um, where Sandbox is going to go this year, I think in some of the tools that they're releasing for development uh, and engagement and then measurement, I think those things become really interesting. So that's my thing. I love that one. Um, and I love the idea of like having these more, um, I don't know, like really embedded experiences. And you think about sports in general has kind of had this lull lately, uh, you know, over the past probably five or 10 years where we've seen like, especially in baseball, you know, declining attendance. And so things need to be shaken up, right? You need to be able to have I mean, imagine being able to be in the metaverse and actually face like a live pitcher that's actually pitching right now on the mound at your team, you know, something like that. So I think that there's just so much that is, is able to happen. And I love the idea of, um, you know, a startup coming in. I think there's, there's a, a lot of opportunities that are ripe for the taking. So I'm excited to watch what they do as well. So that's it. That's our show, our prediction show for 2023. We hope you found something interesting in there uh, that you can take with you. Um, and uh, if you have uh, feedback, if you have ideas on what's going to happen, we'd love to hear about that too. If you have story ideas for a regular show, which we'll resume next week, um, please reach out to us and uh, we'd love to include them. So thank you everybody for listening. Happy New Year to all of you. And uh, we'll see you next week with another show. All right. Happy New Year.